0: It's good to open the Word of God, is it not? And I trust that by the end of the sermon, if you haven't opened the Word of the Lord this week, every day, that you be ashamed, because it is a wonderful book that we have. And I trust that you're finding instruction from it every day. As you know, we've been going through, for probably a year now, how to know God. And we looked at knowing God through salvation and we went through a lot of the doctrines of salvation, repentance, regeneration, justification and so forth. How to know God through sanctification, a part of salvation and we are changed into his image. God is in the business of change. And last a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, we looked at the first part of this psalm, how to know God through creation How to know God through creation. And this draws our attention to to the fact that God is. And we looked also a second time in Psalm 139. And last week was a message that was, well, it was on hell. And we looked at the thoughts of hell there. This morning, we move on from knowing God through creation, which is a logical progression in Psalm verse. Uh, Chapter 19, verses 1 to 6, it talks about creation and (coughs) all the the aspects of that. In other verses, we look through the word of God. But once we have seen and heard and witnessed and marvel at his creation, it should make us us... (coughs) ask... I'm going to clear this right before we (laughs) finish... (laughs) I looked at Pastor McConnell. he's grinning. He has his cider vinegar and honey, I think, (laughs) that he sips on. But I don't, I have some water. After we have seen the Lord and his wonderful creation, the marvel of it, the magnitude of it, telescope or microscope, you can see God's creation and handiwork, we should ask ourselves the question, as we said, who done it? Who did this? Who made this? And then the next and logical step is to find out. And where better to go than what? The Bible. Because that's the God who created the universe. And that's what then the verses in verse 7 that we'll be looking at to verse 14, Lord willing, this morning tells us about. <coughs> It's no mistake God put verses 1 to 6 where he did, as he inspired David to write this, and then verses 7 to 12 where they are. The Bible tells us in Romans, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, once you've seen it, you say, who did it? And then you start looking. And he that seeketh, the Lord said, shall find. And you'll find him. He 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 won't be far from any one of us, as Paul said to those on Mars Hill. They, they, they were worshiping, but they were, weren't worshiping the God of creation. To the unknown God, whom ye ignorantly worship, Paul said, "Him I declare unto you." And Paul was uttering the words of the Lord to these people who wanted to know about God but didn't know the way. And the word of God then was opened that they might hear. That And it's a wonderful time. Can you remember the first time you heard the word of the Lord? You know, you could look around and see the things of God, but in everybody's life, somewhere, sometime, someplace, we hear the word of the Lord. It might be through our parents. It might be that the penny drops when, you know, they're talking to us, you know, raised in a Christian home, but it's not... We don't understand it. We're just living and having fun and without the law, without any, re- well, restrictions at home. But, you know, and then all of a sudden we realize that we are responsible for God, to God, for our lives. Well, <clears throat> faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Second Peter 1.19 tells us, We have also <clears throat> a more sure word of prophecy unto which you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. We have a more sure word of prophecy. The word of God. And we do well to take heed to it. We God's creatures do well to take heed to it. Uh, Have you taken heed to the word of God? It's a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. It's all very significant, you see. You see God, God's handiwork. You seek him out. You, you start reading the word of God. And slowly but surely, the spirit of God convicts you and I of our need of his salvation. And the day star arises in your heart. And I believe the day star there speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ and he rises in your heart. You begin to understand what he has done, how he's created you, special, and that you seek him out and you find you're a sinner and you need salvation. You need to repent and turn to the Lord. There are other verses that talk about the day star. It's Revelation chapter 2 and verse 28. It tells us there, I will give him the overcomer, that is, The morning star. Revelation 22, 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Question is, do you have the morning star, the Lord Jesus, in your life? Have you sought him out? Over in the book of Job, we've been there a few times in our discussion on creation, but in Job chapter 12 and verse 6, Job 12 verse 6, it tells us there, The tabernacles of robbers prosper, and they that provoke God are secure, into whose hand God bringeth abundantly. Doesn't sound just, does it? But let's read on. But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach you. And the fowls of the, of the air, and they shall tell thee. You know, where do we want to get instruction? Well, look at God's creation. The beast and the fowls will speak of the knowledge, the omnipotence, the power of God, his omniscience, his all-knowingness, and how he put them together. They shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee. And the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, who knoweth not in all these, that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this. Fowls, beasts, birds, whatever, the earth, the fishes of the sea, look at them. And we then will understand that God is, and he does exist. And it it reads in verse 10, In whose hand is the soul of every living thing, And the breath of all mankind. Let's pray before we look at some of the details of Psalm 19. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the the revelation in nature and the revelation in scripture. The skies speak of you. The scriptures speak of you. The sure word of God tells us in detail of our deep need of salvation. And I pray if there be those here today that have not received the Lord as their Saviour and do not know God and the day star is not in their hearts that by the time this service is over, that you would speak to them and they would believe and receive eternal salvation. For your glory and praise, Lord, that come to you and become your children. Lord, speak to those of us who are Christians, who have uh, long sought you in your word, that we might grow some more and learn to understand and know your love for us. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The nature and work of the law. Going back to Psalm 19, we see the nature and work of the law. There's three things in each of these descriptive thoughts of God's word that we need to look at. First of all, there are the six titles of the Bible that are given here. The law, it speaks of in verse 7, <clears throat> tells us of the divine instruction. And who knows where the Ten Commandments are in the Bible? You know, we, we talk about Ten Commandments. Where are they? <laughs> Exodus. You know, you think you coming out of Egypt and the children of Israel received the law in Sinai. And it's Exodus 20. You find there. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. It goes over those things that are mentioned there. The first half of those are given to our relationship to God, and the second half are given of our relationship to our fellow man. The law tells of divine instruction relative to the character, to character and conduct. The testimonies, if you look at verse 7, they're mentioned, the second part of verse 7 of Psalm 19. The testimonies tell of the divine witness to what God is and what we should be. Be ye holy, for I am holy. The testimony of God. You know, the creationist people, you know, we we follow along with where they're at, but they tell us we should look into the Old Testament, particularly the first 11 chapters, and hear the words of somebody that was there when it happened. God was there. And he gave us how the world came into being, how we came into being and what we're made up of. And these are the testimonies of God. We can look at the histories of nations and peoples and we can read their their things that are written in stone and praise the Lord we've got a lot of those things now. And we, we parallel them or level them with Scripture. And if they say something that's not in Scripture, we don't believe it. <laughs> because they weren't there. God was. We weren't there. God was. And he wrote it accurately. And the record has been given to us as Moses put it down. And God inspired him to put it in those first books of the Bible. And so we have the testimonies of God. The, other, the third one is mentioned in verse 8. The statutes. They tell of the divine directions. Designed to secure obedience and to check disobedience in people's lives. The statutes of God. Divine directions. You know, God's word is good. We need to take heed to it. It's very important. The statutes of the Lord. Then, how can we know to obey if we haven't read God's word? We've got billions of people on planet earth who've never set their eyes upon God's word and they don't know what they should be doing to please God. Even people in churches where it's not being taught. We need to obey the gospel to start with and then the obedience of the Christian life. The statutes. The next one is the fourth one in verse 8, the second part of verse 8. The commandments tell of the degrees, the authoritative And unchanging degrees of God, the commandments. He has issued this forth. And He has every right to tell us what is right and wrong and to give us the commandments. Has He not? I trust you believe it. (laughs) He has. He can give the commandments. And then there's the fear in verse 9. The fear tells us of the selected habit of the soul which is informed by the law. Once we see it in creation, once we seek out and find it in the Scriptures, what God has said, then we begin to say, Wow, I need to bow before this God and worship Him and fear Him. What does it say in Scripture? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be a wise person as far as God is concerned, fear the Lord. It's not cringe at his presence, it's a reverential trust in him. The fear of the Lord, the judgment. The judgments of the sixth one tell of the judicial decisions and sentences of Jehovah, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether so they're the six titles the law the testimony the statutes the commandments the fear and the judgment so as we seek the lord we find these things but then there's the six attributes of scripture that go along with each of these six let's notice those first of all you've got the law of the lord it says is perfect it's perfect Without flaw, without default, there's nothing lacking in God's law. This is the benchmark. This is the yardstick for our behavior, for our knowledge of God. The law is perfect. And we are imperfect. We don't measure up. No man in life can keep the law to be saved. Because we all break the law. We are all sinners. The law is our... Schoolmaster, as we'll notice in a bit. The testimony, secondly, the testimony of the Lord, what is it? It is sure, as you notice in verse 7. It is sure. It's reliable. It's worthy of being (coughs) obeyed and followed. It has stability. It is sure. We need to be convinced of these things. Because why follow something that's not for sure, that's not... Dead true, as we could say. The statutes of the Lord, the law, the th- third attribute and statement of the, the, the word of the Lord is right. Presenting the straight road and to man's true goal in life. What does it say in the book of Matthew and the gospels there? Narrow is the road that leads to life. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. And so the statutes of the Lord are right, presenting exactly the truth. The commandments in verse 8 of the Lord are, and you can follow it on there in, your, in, your, in the psalm, are pure, bright like the sun, clear, making our duty plain, showing us what God desires of us in the way we should walk. They're pure and make the way plain for the Christian. When somebody brings up to me a debatable issue in what we should be allowed to do and not allowed to do as Christians, they're always wanting to do the loose end of things. They want liberty or license to go out and do something that's hey if we if we love the lord we'll draw a lot closer to him we won't draw close to the edge where we can fall off we'll draw closer to him and we will want to walk the pure life because we love him because of what he's done for us the fear of the lord this is the, the fifth attribute is clean with no foul spot without corruption it is clean the fear of the lord and when a person, as we mentioned before, fears the Lord, it makes a whole lot of difference to the way they live. You don't have to browbeat them about obeying God's word. You don't have to do that. They'll want to do that. Huh. Yeah. Because they know this is clean and this is right. We will know that. And finally, the judgment of the Lord is true. The sixth attribute of God's word. Never false. False ever faithful and this should lead us to a deeper appreciation of the worth of scripture a fuller appropriation of the words of scripture of the treasures folk where would the well the world i say but the western world where would it be if it wasn't for the scriptures Why have we got what we have? Where did the Industrial Revolution come from and the comforts of life come from? It came from people who love this book, who obey this book, who follow this book. And the more light they obey, the more light was shed to them and the more understanding they have of God and his creation. It works in a circle. And wouldn't it be wonderful if all of humankind obeyed the scripture and the discoveries that would come from that and as I mentioned the other, I think it was in a sermon the other day about the inventions that have been made have been made the big ones have been made primarily by Christians who love the Lord and obey the word of God they can think the thoughts of God after him as they research in their particular field uh, the world doesn't acknowledge them for being Christians, they acknowledge what they did, but not, you know, what, what's, you know, globes, Faraday, electricity. All the, you can go on and on and on about these Christian men who invented these. They loved the Word of God. They went from that base. Then we see the six effects of Scripture as we go back to Psalms. So there's the six titles of Scripture. There's the six attributes of Scripture, and there are the six effects of Scripture. Verse 7, the law restores the soul, refreshes the inner life as food does the body. And I think we probably all had breakfast unless we're on a diet after Christmas. But, uh, you know, it refreshes the body, gives energy to go for the day. And we need the scriptures to refresh our souls, do we not? The inner life as food. You, you had your necessary food, but what about the necessary food? The scriptures today. Yes, we come to church to worship as a congregation, corporately, but we need to do that privately before we come. You need to pray before you come. I need to pray. We need to search the scriptures ourselves. This is a personal thing. So that the power of God might be manifest in our meetings. Refresh the inner life as food does the body. The testimonies of the Lord make wise the simple. Give practical guidance to the inexperienced. First Timothy four 6, I've written next to this. Makes wise the simple. You know, you can be wiser than your teachers if you know God, obey God, and seek Him in His Word and experiences of life. You can be wiser than your teachers. The book of Proverbs tells us that. Makes wise the simple. And uh, remembering back to those days in school... <laughs> When you, the teacher would say something, and I knew from my understanding of the scripture what he was saying was wrong. And uh, we in the class, he probably couldn't do it today, there's not enough believing people. We in the class took it to the principal, there 700 kids in the school, we took it to the principal and said we should not have to answer that question if it's on an exam with what we don't believe is true. And they gave us the permission to put down about God and creation instead of evolution and and the theory of it. Um, They realised, and there was a majority in the class, we got together as a a group, protesters, no, (laughs) of students that said, hey, this is not on. That's not what we believe. We shouldn't have to answer that. But I don't think you could do that in a secular school today, could you? That was done. But knowing the word of God... Makes wise the simple. We might have been young, but we weren't stupid. (laughs) Uh, Rejoices the heart, number four. The effect of scripture, uh, number three, sorry. Rejoices the heart in verse eight. Brings delight and pleasure to those who obey it. You ever been reading the Bible in your devotions and you find something there? Wow, this is wonderful. This is great. (laughs) It excites you in your faith and love for the Lord and, and think about eternity and then your mind wanders off. Or your, your eyes wander off into other scriptures that speak about that. You cross-reference the Bible. And the more you read the Bible, the more you, do, you can do that. You look here. and Oh, that, that's over in the New Testament somewhere. That's in the Old Testament. And you can do the comparisons there. Get to the point in your life you know the Bible so well that that begins to happen. It takes some years, but it will happen if you stick at it. And it will rejoice your heart as you learn to obey it the fourth one there in verse 8 the fourth effect is it enlightens the eyes enlightens the eyes illuminating the dark and renewing the faint we as it says in the book of Ephesians you were once darkness in the Lord but now are ye light in the Lord light (laughs) the light turns on and you understand enlightening the eyes we live in a dark world that is looking for answers to big problems Aren't you glad this week that Mr. Trump didn't go, go in full belt and bomb 52 whatever, or places that are in Iraq? I'm glad he didn't. Pastor McConnell's glad he didn't, because he's going to holiday over that way <laughs> later on. And he said, well, that'll, that won't be on if they're, they're at it over there at each other. And, and, and people were talking about Third World War and things like that. And, and it's real. It is real. It could happen. And it's going to happen. Just read the last book of the Bible and be illuminated. It's going to happen. And even in the Old Testament. Pillows of smoke. They didn't know about atomic weapons then. We do now. And what they do. pillars of smoke like that. But Anyway. It lightens the eyes. Illuminating. And we're not walking around in the dark anymore. We've got the light of life. The Lord Jesus. And fifthly. The, the the fifth effect, it endures forever. It is eternal. Forever, O oh Lord, is Thy word settled in heaven. <coughs> endures, forever the fear of the Lord endures forever, and I pray that it will. You know, when we get to see the Lord face to face one day, those of us who have faith in Him, it will be delight. But we will reverence Him. And one sermon many years ago that I preached, and I've referred to it often, is that when mortal man meets their maker, and you have a look at people that did meet the Lord, and you have a look at spiritually minded men of the Old Testament and New Testament that met God. When they met God, they'd, be, oh, how are you going? You know, it wasn't, oh, good morning. No. <laughs> yeah. You, Isaiah, you think of Isaiah in chapter uh, 6 of Isaiah. He saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he fell on his face and he worshipped the Lord. The Apostle John, and I, I, I think that one is one of the main ones. The Apostle that leaned on the Lord Jesus' breast when he was, had the mortal body, he was ministering on earth. Who loved the Lord, who was a son of thunder. When he met the Lord, high and lifted up, as it were, in Revelation chapter 1, he fell at his feet. He didn't know, really, how great and awesome the Lord was. The fear of the Lord endures forever. We won't even think of rebelling against him when we get to heaven. We do down here, and we shouldn't but sixthly, the sixth effect of God's word. It talks about the judgments. It is vindicated altogether. The mutual parts explain and defend one another, comparing Scripture with Scripture. The result of seeking God in Scripture is shown. Let's turn to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13. We have here in verses 9 to 13. I know it's a relation to dealing with the speaking in tongues in church, in the early church. And Paul summarizes it this way in verse 9. For we know know in part and we prophesy in part. You see, the, the New Testament hadn't been put together at that time. It was being put together. But when that which is perfect is come, and I believe that's complete revelation of Scripture, as we have it today in your lap this morning then that which is in part shall be done away, the, the sign gifts. And this is why he's summarising that, the sign gifts to authenticate them, the message of the gospel. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I become a man, I put away childish things. And he's speaking of the church. When it grows up, when it matures some, They'll put away the childish things. And he was speaking and referring to tongues at that time. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. Knowing. Folks, when we see the power of God in creation, when we seek him out and find him in scriptures, then we know ourselves as we are knowing scripture gives us an understanding about ourselves how we tick our makeup what we're made of and and it it drives us to god to seek him out even more and to know him even better we look then through a glass dark but now we see him face to face in the in the word of god it's like a, a mirror this morning we probably all looked in the mirror this morning to do something to ourselves. And as we we ought to do that, yes, but we ought to do it spiritually too, to look in the mirror of God's Word and see ourselves in the looking glass. Uh, because we can come face to face. We know in part, but then shall we know even as we are known. Let's go to secondly to the value and effect of the law. We've seen the nature and work of the law, and the titles, the attributes and the effects of Scripture but the value and effect of the law. David says four things in verses 10 through to 11. We should should carefully observe these things as we look at them. Back to Psalm 19, verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. That's the first one. There is the possession... The special possession in the law for those who will discover it. Gold is good if you've found it. <laughs> fine gold is better, but much fine gold is best. Yet God's word is said to be better than the best of the gold and more to be designed. That's what he's saying in verse 2. Gold's good. Hey, if I told you there was a gully out Yakandanda, that if you dug it 100 metres long and you dug it about two and a half metres deep and you dug it all out, and you'd find $5 million worth of gold in it. You could spend a whole lifetime digging that out and get all the gold out of it. But if I told you it was there, hey, what happens when somebody finds gold? There's a gold rush. They all rush to get the gold, but you'd go there and dig it all up and Use your whatever and your beep, beep, beep thing, no, detector. And, and you be hunting for it and looking for it and find every speck of gold in that if you were promised that it was there. Folk, we have been promised it is there. This is it. The word of God. Dig in the mine of the word of God and you'll find the gold, the pure gold and much fine gold there for you. And you'll be wiser much the wiser for it so is the, there's the possession the special possession in the law the gold of the word of god seek and search it out <clears throat> you know it's not he's not far from every one of us the lord isn't he wants us to seek him out secondly in verse 10 <clears throat> there is a sweet pleasure in the law as you have it there there's sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. I don't know if you have honey for breakfast or I have honey on... <laughs> should I tell you? Well, <laughs> honey on the toast. You might have had honey on your toast. Every morning I have some honey. If, if, if Brother Brunken was still with us, he would say, if you've got a wound, plaster it with honey and put a Band-Aid on it or <laughs> put something over it. And he had some pretty big ones and he plastered himself up with honey with, with Adolph's honey of course it had to be the original non-refined <laughs> and and the wound got better the antibiotics in it fixed it up <laughs> you might have like I do this is sinful <laughs> pancakes fluffy big pancakes my wife makes big heap ice cream and honey all over it not that maple stuff <laughs> what do you call it maple syrup, maple syrup that's it No, honey (laughs) all over it. And it goes solid on the ice cream. And you can have that. (laughs) Hey, even though that might be nice, God's word is sweeter than honey. The value and effects of God's law. Sweet pleasure found in it. Special possession of having it. And thirdly, in verse 11, it says, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. (laughs) We find the sure protection in the law for those who will believe it. The word of God not only encourages us, it also warns us. It not only constrains us, but also restrains us. It opens doors for us and closes doors against us. And it is is as great a sin to force a closed door as it is to forsake an open door of the Lord. The Lord will give us sure protection. You know, it talks about the unsafe person going on their way through life and they go headlong into problems, one after the other. What's going on in life? And mainly because they don't see the problems ahead. As Christians, we can see what the Bible says about the future. And we can take action now. And by the scriptures, we are warned to go in the right way and not the wrong way. And they just fall fall headlong into the problem. And I think our world is full of problems, unsolved problems, because they don't take heed to the word of the Lord. Look at the nation of Israel. If you just read their history, you can see why they came to grief. Why they were taken captive by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Did they learn their lesson? No. 70 years in Babylon. They came back to the land. And what did they do? They fell into it again. And then they crucified their Messiah. And they've fallen into it 2,000 years now. They're still disobeying. Sure protection from the word of God. One day their eyes will be opened. And what an opening that'll be. We'll leave that for another day. The fourth thing we find here of the value and effects of the law is in verse 11. And the second part of verse 11, where we read, And in keeping of them, there is great reward. There is a sustaining profit in the law for those who will obey it. In keeping it is great reward. Reward not future, but even presently. Reward of vision, reward of the power of the Lord upon us, reward of the enlargement of the soul, reward of the salvation of your children. Reward not by keeping the law, but in keeping the law. How great, how rich, how full, how solemn, how gladsome, how exacting a book is the Bible. This book is the greatest book. This book is the bestseller, <laughs> Still is the bestseller. Take heed to this book. Now, if you came today and had to get your book off the mantelpiece, mantelpieces are old, aren't they? don't have them anymore. I've got one. <laughs> I've got a wood fire. But uh, on the mantelpiece, you had to get your bu- and you go, you know, clean it off so nobody can see I haven't read it this week. <laughs> Shame. Shame on us if that's the case. We need to be in the book and reading the book. It is a most important thing. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine. Looked at this on Wednesday. And and the other three things. What were they? For doctrine, for reproof, correction and instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If you believe this book is important, let's read it. If you have seen God in the skies, in his power and his omniscience, all the things, that, and then you've sought him in the word and you've found him, don't slack off. Keep going toward the Lord and becoming more like the Lord Jesus. Changed into his image, as the Bible says. And then the last three verses, you have verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. We have the revelation of God in experience here. The skies tell us much, the scriptures tell us more, the soul tells us even more. The soul seeks after the Lord. You know, we can know a lot with our heads. Uh, A person coming out of university might know a lot in their head and they go onto the field of their practiced, uh, their studies, into the practical world and they realize they don't know a whole lot of how, how it fits, how it works. And we can become like that as Christians. We can learn a lot with our heads, but it's six inches down here until it takes effect in our hearts and lives. The Pharisees, the religious people of Jesus' day knew an awful lot. They were hard to debate in Scripture. But they, it didn't affect their lives. And the people of society realized they are hypocrites. We don't want Christian hypocrites around. We want people that not only know it in their head, but live it in their lives and in their hearts. The revelation of God in experience. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults <clears throat> there's a quickened conscience errors of ignorance become deliberate sins which eventuate in matured guilt and great transgression. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. to him it is sin. Second Peter chapter 2 in the New Testament, second Peter chapter two. <clears throat> I think it's talking about the the dog here and uh, what it does. Chapter 2 and verse 20. Yes. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord. know, Know it in their head. They know about the Lord. They know about that he came at Christmas time. They know that he died around Easter time. They, they have a knowledge of God in general and maybe more specific in some areas. If they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in it and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. This is a strong warning to those who have it in their head and not in their heart and life. It would be better not to have known it than walk away from it. You say... (laughs) We say ignorance is no excuse. If you get pulled up by the policeman and you probably said it, oh, I didn't know so that it was a 60 kilometer zone. I thought it was 80. You know, They've just changed the speed limit, haven't they? <laughs> you, put all, you hear all sorts of excuses when you're pulled up. And the, the officer can say, well, ignorance is no excuse. <laughs> ignorance is no excuse. You should have had a GPS and would have told you it was speeding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and when we face the Lord... You won't be able to plead ignorant. Because at somewhere, sometime, some place, you heard the word of God, it spoke to you in your head, and you didn't want to apply it to your heart, and you say, Oh, well, I'm walking away from that. Just like Peter said. And it's I believe it's in Hebrews six, verses four to six as well. Let us remember that for the most part we are responsible for our ignorance. God will hold us responsible for what we might have known. Sin is nonetheless sin because it is done ignorantly. Well, I didn't know that was a problem. We we're, were about to get before God on judgment and say, well, I didn't know you didn't, didn't like that. No. You chose to be ignorant. And the, the light that you had, you walked away from. Let's turn to Romans chapter 2 and verse 12. Romans two, twelve and down to verse 16. We read there for to 2:12 for as many as have sinned without the law shall perish without the law. And though in, they, in a, they were ignorant of the law of God that we're speaking about from Psalm 19. They shall perish without the law. As many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So if you knew the law and didn't do it you're going to be judged on what you knew about. You should have done. You can't plead ignorant. For not the hearers of the law shall just be, be just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, as a non-Jew, who have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts are meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. You know, even a person that hasn't heard the Bible, hasn't heard the scripture, hasn't got faith in God. These people at times will be governed by their conscience. When they do something wrong, when they steal from somebody, they know they've stolen. They don't have to be told. God's written it in their conscience even. You see, ignorance is no excuse. It's everywhere. God has shown himself, even in our own conscience. And we can't declare ignorance. Back there, and we'll finish off with a few thoughts. God's mighty power can purify the heart. Keep thou me from secret faults. God's mighty power can preserve from sin. Verse 13, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. You see, we have all weaknesses and some are weak in areas that others aren't. Let them not have dominion over me. Oh, the Lord, Lord, help us not to fall into the trap of having sin have dominion over us. (laughs) let them not have dominion. Then shall I be upright and shall be innocent from the great transgression. Perfect in righteousness. God's might can make us perfect in righteousness, upright in the Lord. Let the words of thy mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And so here's a confident heart in verse 14. His heart's appeal is given in the first part. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, what I think of, what I mull over, what I uh, go over and over of my heart be acceptable, Lord, in thy sight. What, what occupies your thoughts in the idle moments, driving down the road, things where your mind is not occupied? What occupies your thoughts? I pray it's the meditation of the Lord, on the Lord, about the Lord and what he's done, what is doing in your life. Too often, our words are right and our meditation is wrong. Much better to be the other way round, like a Mary Martha situation. Let's have stumbling words and stammering lips, but let our hearts be right like the publican who come before the Lord. He stood afar off and would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, knowing how great and awesome God is. Let them be acceptable, our meditations in thy sight. Our heart's assurance in the last part, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Praise God for the knowledge of himself through his word. Let's keep reading the book. Of all the things of how to know God, I think the best way to know God is through the word of God. It is. It is the best way to know about God and what he's doing, what he wants you to do. You know, you can look at the heavens and see his power and might. But until you seek him out in the scriptures and search for him day after day and and meditate upon him, then our lives are not what they ought to be. Let's seek him in his word every day. Let's not have to blow the dust off. Now, some old books in my ex-study, which is now a storeroom, that when I go and get them to use them to study, I do have to go... Before I open it and let all the dust fall in the leaves... (laughs) They're books, but I don't have to dust the Bible off. I have one Bible, I actually saw it this week. It's in the file with all the old ones that I've used up, I mean, worn out. And it is really, it's twice as thick as it should be because I used it on the bulldozer sitting on the console and I'd have it open as dust coming in and, and it thickened up, but it wore out real quick too. You know, they say. A man who's got a worn Bible has got a good soul. (laughs) A man who's got a good Bible. Now, if you've just bought a new one, don't feel bad. (laughs) A man who's got a good Bible has a a soul that needs to get right with the Lord. Get into the Bible, folks. You know, if anything can benefit this church and you as a people is if you personally get into the Bible and seek the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it guides us through life. Thank you that somewhere, somebody or something got our attention and we were drawn to the book. And when we opened the book, we found the Lord Jesus from cover to cover written about in types, in examples, in prophecies and literally walking the earth, dying for our sins on the cross, being buried and raising that third day, as we'll discover tonight, to the right hand of God. Lord, and we found the truth, and the truth set us free and gave us liberty and knowledge and understanding, and we're not walking ignorantly, anymore let us fear before you and worship you as we will in eternity ask and pray in jesus name amen